This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Krista Harden, President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with USDEC's Krista Harden, next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's crop insurance industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 480 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. The domestic market commands the majority of market demand for U.S. dairy products, but global market demand is growing. Krista Harden, President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, says 18% of dairy production is destined for exports with tremendous opportunity for growth thanks to a variety of high-quality products and ingredients. Well, you know, first I would say that the workhorses right now are our ingredients. They're in demand around the world. Um, you pick a location and there's needed for good animal protein and infant formula um, in smoothies and sports bars and sports drinks, those kinds of things where you need a protein source, and dairy is a wonderful part of that. So you know, dry powders, whey, other products, uh, lactose are all going into um, into products. High-value products like cheese, we're starting to get more and more recognition. Um, you know, a lot of folks around the world don't think of the U.S. as, you know, having top-quality cheeses, which we do. We win global awards all the time. So I think that's a great potential area as well, Our ingredients and cheese. Extended-life milk is something we're starting to see. There's demand for in certain markets. So I think, you know, really it's um, we listen to our customers overseas, what they want, what they need. And we have it here. So I think there's great opportunity. Butter at, at times is something that we export. So there's a lot of opportunities for us to, again, pay attention to what's happening in the world, listen to customers in these markets, and then make sure we're getting the products to them. It seems we have a more health-conscious America. Do we have a more health-conscious world? And does that provide us opportunity uh, either in the white gallon and uh, the extended shelf life products or more of the ingredient area where people are concentrating more on their diets, especially of those who have money. I think in the developed world in particular, um, there is this focus on health and wellness. And there are countries um, in Asia, Southeast Asia, China itself, who are, are increasing their recommendation for more dairy in the diet. So that's a great benefit, I think, for the future of dairy. As the public thinks about, I want to eat healthy, I want, you know, products for my goodness and my wellness, dairy, you know, offers so many benefits. And some of the things we kind of, you know, have known in the U.S., almost taking for granted the benefits of dairy, the rest of the world is kind of waking up to. So we just want to be their source of choice. And it does not matter if it's an ingredient, or if it is, you know, in, in a fluid gallon or it's in another um, product, dairy, you know, all those nutrients and great healthy benefits are there. So 
uh, at least in the developed world, those populations have become informed public much more stronger commitment to health and wellness, and we want to be part of that of that profile. What about developing markets and food assistance programs from the U.S.? We always encourage our smallest farmers in the world, if they have a dairy cow, that means they can feed their family. Feed their family first and maybe somebody else's. So we do see that that commitment to to dairy around the world in developing countries. And we, you know, actually, and as they build an infrastructure and a demand for dairy increases in some of these countries, we can help support the local production, not replace it. And I think that's really important. We never want to put a farmer out of business, but we can help growing populations as they become more urbanized. In many of these developing countries, they may not have the production um, in their own country. So I think there's great opportunity long term in some of these areas because they do need benefits, the health benefits, the nutritional benefits um, of dairy. Let's, you know, we can help them, everybody in the country, have access to these good products. I understand shopping online didn't originate in the U.S. It's something that was a pattern <laughs> developing uh, in overseas markets uh, before it came here and certainly uh, may still be in the lead uh, in, in the globe. How is click shopping affecting dairy demand, and is that an opportunity uh, for an inroad for U.S. dairy products. You're exactly right, um, Jeff. It is an opportunity for dairy, and I think it is for a lot of U.S. agricultural products, but dairy particularly, I think, you know, having that ease of getting the product, of understanding about it, reading it, seeing it, you know, on that profile, on that shopping list in one click, um, you can have it, you know, on your dinner table in a few hours. Those kinds of things are definitely helping us. We had a farmer mission, um, dairy farmers, went to Dubai um, in the Middle East just this fall. And we learned how much that society has depended and is increasingly depending on the click shopping, the home delivery of groceries or um, finished goods, and our demand continues to grow there. Just one example we saw firsthand globally of how consumers really are, once they try it, they like it, they see it's easy to get, it's you know, cost competitive, they have high value, I think this great opportunity, e-commerce as well as ordering, um, you know, from the U.S. is something some of our companies are actually putting more of an emphasis on. So I think there's a lot of kind of cool opportunities out there for U.S. Um, processors and those who are looking at products, you know, really um, targeting specific consumers with this kind of e-commerce and click um, um, as you were saying, for for your food. I think it's, it's exciting. I think it's a potentially growth area for us. In the globe, are you facing headwinds from alternative dairy products from plant-based sources? In some places, um, not everywhere. Um, certainly in some, there are trends. We believe in, you know, obviously uh, consumer choice, let them have what they want, but we think we have a great product that we can um, tell them that, you know, dairy it, you know, is the real dairy, comes from a cow, and you're going to get all the nutritional benefits um, that you cannot get from other sources. Um, there are some developed markets where there are trends that are interested, certainly, in um, looking at alternatives. But, um, you know, most places, folks want the real thing, and we're happy to supply that. So let's start on the glass half full side of the equation here. What are the positive stories that you could share now of export customers and 
markets that show the biggest promise for growth? Well, you know, this year, we don't have our latest numbers from November, and certainly December will come even later. But so far this year, it's been a very good year for dairy exports. Last year was record-breaking for exports. And some of the markets were maybe a surprise, even dairy farmers. Mexico has always kind of been our go-to market. It's our closest neighbor, great ally, great partner, easy for us to get dairy um, you know, there quickly with transportation, obviously, um, with a you know a, a common border, so but they had a really tough time last year during COVID, and recovery was slow. So thank goodness we were diversified, and we looked at other parts of the world where we could actually grow exports and make up for some of the losses we might have had in Mexico, short term. We're already rebounding there, but it, it you know we wanted to make sure that we didn't have gaps in exports. So Southeast Asia is what's so exciting, I think, for our producers and manufacturers and cooperatives. We opened an office, a bricks-and-mortar office in Singapore to really send a message to, you know, customers and competitors, frankly, that we're serious about this region. We are here to stay. We're here to be a serious supplier of dairy. And that paid off, having that presence there. Even during COVID, we were able to take advantage um, of the Center for Dairy Excellence is, is the name of this center in Singapore. And we saw great strides in markets like Vietnam, like Indonesia, um, starting to see that in the Philippines and some of the other countries in that region. The Middle East and Northern Africa really was very important to us on the last year, year and a half. High-value cheeses going into that. A lot of, of wealth in that part of the world. I love U.S. products, we want them to love them even more. Um, so we saw great strides there. Starting to see some successes in other parts of the Americas, in South America and Central America, really starting to some, see some of the um, changes as these countries go through. Their middle class continues to grow. They're focused on high-value products, health and wellness products, as we were talking about earlier. So those are kind of some areas in the world that we were able to to really take advantage of over the last couple of years. And, you know, hopefully we're, we're setting um, our sights to continue to grow those markets. Phase one trade deal with China expired in 2021. How important is China? Will it take a trade deal to provide the market access that you would like to see there? And what about Africa? Uh, I'll start with China. Obviously, it, it is it's a critical market. Um, we there are, there's a huge population. There's a population, as I mentioned, um, whose government is saying, eat more dairy, get more dairy in your diet. So we're hoping that we can grow there. We've also, um, or feed, you know, part of the feed for their swine herd there. And as they have grown that herd back up after the um, African swine fever, that was a big market for us. Of course, that's kind of leveled off a bit because the herd's getting back to for normal sizes, but we need an agreement with China. We need um, market access for China. We believe it's a great potential for growth there. Um, we won't be able to take advantage um, of this interest in dairy, their desire to have dairy. We believe we should be able to be competitive there, but we are going to need um, a little assistance on market access. Well, it's hard to lump all of your export customers into one group. But I'm looking for the issues at this point that are limiting access. 
or limiting opportunities for the U.S. dairy industry in the globe? Is there a one-size-fits-all answer, or is it split so much between subsidies and economics and tariffs and and uh, geographic indicators and and other elements? Well, I, I think the simple answer, and of course this is a complex question as you just outlined, is we need trade agreements. We need to make sure there's a level playing field with our competitors. We're just convinced we have great high-quality products that the world wants, but we've got to have a level playing field getting in some of these key markets. Um, market access is very much enjoyed by a number of our competitors that we don't have in key markets. We've got to be aggressive. We encourage the government, the U.S. government, to be aggressive to make sure we have, whether it's you know multinational, bilateral, whatever form it comes in, to make sure you know that we can compete. We know we have the products. We know that we have the want to, the how to, but um, it's got to be a leveler um, um, playing field than we have today in many of these key markets. So that's the that's the simple answer to a very complex. Um, question because it does vary obviously country to country and region to region is it tariffs that keep you out is it subsidies that they provide for their own uh is it technology and the way that u.s dairy farmers care for their animals uh is there a top of the list down of these of these roadblocks if you will well it's often tariffs or or non-tariff barriers sometimes there are other types of barriers or requirements protectionist policies that are in place that keep us out of key markets that are non-tariff areas because it's a combination of both. And again, many of the places where we want to export to and see a great potential, they're importing dairy. It's just not from the U.S. So that's where we want to go after first, places that we can be, we know we can be competitive if we had a level playing field. There are other countries that come to mind, like in India, there is protectionist policies in place of their own industry. So that's another, you know, kind of set of um, questions and concerns to deal with. But there are clearly places where we're just at a disadvantage because our competitors have a better trade deal. Your career saw you uh, lead the sustainability efforts of Corteva and of DuPont. And I uh, also know that you have still some affinity for the soybean industry and soybean growers. <laughs> And the soybean growers' sustainability message has been one that is yielding them opportunities, especially in Europe, for not only the product that we raise, but the way that U.S. producers uh, uh, produce those crops. So does the dairy industry in the U.S. have a sustainability story that could be a leg up over the rest of the world? Yes, I believe we do. I sure do. I have been so proud of this industry from when I first joined it several years ago to lead the global environmental strategy, frankly, for DMI. That commitment throughout our chain, saying that we can do what we do in a way that's good, you know, takes care of our natural resources, takes care of our animals. We can be that environmental solution, set goals um, that are very ambitious, um, obviously, there, there's a long journey to get there. There's investment that has to be made. There's research that needs to be done, data collected, you know, all the things, you know, to, to accomplish a goal, to reach a goal. But the dairy industry was bold and, frankly, brave in some ways in the U.S. to say, we know we need to do this. We want to do this. We want to do the right thing. We're committed to doing the right thing. We just need some tools to make sure we can. 
And, you know, I always say, Jeff, it shouldn't be on just on the backs of farmers, that we need partners and investors to help find these solutions for farmers. And we have multinational companies that are helping us do this work. We have environmental conservation groups that partner with us. Seed groups help us. We're looking, you know, we're doing all sorts of research. We have a, a grant from the Foundation for Food and Agriculture to, do, to measure, to really look at what goes in um, on the environmental side, how we're going to reach these goals. So it, it is definitely a very, very positive story. And I can tell you, I don't talk to any customer around the world. They don't ask about our commitment to sustainability. They want to know. And so we're able to define ourselves. We're able to explain what we're doing, the commitment from this industry. And it is definitely a, a plus, a big leg up for the U.S. industry. And I just say hats off to the great leadership within this industry who recognizes instead of playing catch-up, we're leading. Um, and I'm excited about um, being able to tell that story on behalf of the farmers in the industry and, more importantly, let them tell the story themselves um, to our customers globally. The upgrade to NAFTA was USMCA and was seen as a victory for U.S. agriculture, but maybe not necessarily for U.S. dairy. Recently, you won a dispute with Canada's dairy policy and market access. Is yeah. this a resolution or is this the next step toward a potential solution? <laughs> well, I certainly hope that it is a resolution. You know, you never say never and these kinds of things, but I think it was a very definitive answer, you know, answer um, from the dispute panel. Um, and I hope it sends the the message the U.S. is, you know, is about enforcement. We're not going to let even our friends, um, you know, off the hook. You make a commitment, you need to honor it, and that's what trade agreements are about. So we, we, we're very pleased with this decision, pleased with the administration's um, help on this um, effort and certainly hope that the message is clear. You know, when you, you give your word, you got to keep it, and that's what trade agreements are all about. So... Down to the nuts and bolts of trade, there is the supply chain from the dairy farm to the processor, finally to the port and then to the customer. How big is the issue of the supply chain toward the dairy industry and in satisfying global customers now? Well, it's huge, Jeff, and I, I've said this in a many times. I'm a really, really good sleeper. I just, I guess I have a clear conscience. But if anything wakes me up at night, um, worried about, frankly, is is the shipping woes. Um, we've seen a little bit of relief, but not enough relief, I'll be honest with you, and it's not long-term. Um, we have orders that we can't meet. We have companies that have to result to air freight sometimes to honor a commitment to a long-time partner and customers so they don't lose that relationship. It is a huge problem, and it is one that, We've probably had for a long time that we've had band-aids to kind of keep it together. Um, and then with the woes of COVID and other issues, I think um, all of our vulnerabilities just kind of came home at once. And it is a real, real problem. We import a lot in this country, from Southeast Asia in particular. We are known for that, you know, being the source of choice um, for that region. And we love our goods and services and things we import. But what it should not, you know, it makes no sense for a tanker to unload and go back empty because they can't wait um, to get, you know, be refilled, restocked 
with an U.S. agricultural product, including dairy, to go back. The weight um, in line with perishable um, products is a problem, and then the tanker's going back empty. But these carriers are not U.S. carriers, right? So um, that has been another difficult issue. I know the administration has taken some strides in helping us with trucking, helping us with um, alleviating some of the delays. Um, the ports have been, you know, listened to us and are, you know, open longer and more days of the week. If they can get staffing, we have trucking issues, shortages across the country, not just, you know, for um, agriculture, but all of our industries. So there's some real issues here I think that we're going to have to think about, but it has been um, a real negative for U.S. dairy exports and an industry that is growing in our exports. We have more you know, demand um, around the world, but yet we can't always, you know, fill that demand um, because of um, because of our supply chain, um, the huge delays. I'm going to draw a parallel here. When there are tornadoes or hurricanes or wildfires, it clearly leaves a scar uh, on the landscape and sometimes economically. So of this supply chain challenge that we face now, is this a scratch or is it going to leave permanent scars? I think that's up to us and how we respond. And I say us collectively, not just U.S. dairy, not just U.S. agriculture, but as a country. How do we respond to these problems? How do we find long-term solutions and not just quick fixes that, again, will erupt um, in the future, we have got to work these issues out if we're going to be a global player. Um, if we're going to, you know, continue to import but want to export as well, and certainly, you know, agriculture has always helped us with our, our trade deficits. It's always our products are so good they're in demand around the world, but we've got to make sure we can get product to customer or we will lose these markets forever. And that's my greatest concern that if you know, a customer will be patient for a little while. They'll listen to your reasons and your excuses. But after a while, they have to answer to their customer, and they're going to look for another supplier. So I hope this is not a lasting scar. I hope we're learning our lessons. We're going to make the investments, make the decisions, make the changes and adjustments that are needed for us to be um, a true competitor um, worldwide. Well, Krista Harden, we want to thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule just past the holidays and here into a new year of 22 to be with us on this edition of Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and you've been here before, and today the Georgia native gets the last word. Uh, well, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. And I love always to shout out to my home state, and I appreciate the, the opportunity to really talk about dairy exports. You know, a lot of folks don't think about it. Um, dairy being a commodity that is in great demand, not just in the U.S., but around the world. So thanks for that opportunity. It's always fun to talk to you. Our thanks to Krista Harden, President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.